Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome or welcome back to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table, where I have now gone over 530 episodes interviewing really interesting people who are doing cool things in the world of their business. And I think today's show is going to be a lot of fun because today's show might be a little different. Some of you who've tuned in and listened, we're going to go down a little bit of a different path about uh, things in business and life that maybe we don't talk about on every episode. And I'm really excited. So if you've been listening to this show for a long time, you know that about, oh, I don't know, five months ago, I interviewed Colin Gwynn, who was part of the team, husband and wife team, that won the Amazing Race season, I think it was 31. Uh, They raced around the world and won a million dollars. It was their second time on the show. And Colin and I have a mutual friend. And last year, that friend came to Austin and uh, he was going to a meeting with Colin. I tagged along and I met Colin and his wife, Christy. And they were about to be, they'd already filmed it, but they were about to be contestants on The Amazing Race. And so, although I didn't know them well, I watched the show with this feeling like they were my best friends racing around the world. And then uh, they're very gracious. They invited my wife and I to the uh, cast party and the viewing party for the finale. And so I got to sit right next to them as the world saw them win a million dollars. And I interviewed Colin about his business background and about The Amazing Race. But uh, more interesting than Colin is his wife, Christy. And I told him on that show, we've got to have her on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And so kicking off this year in January of 2020, I am so fortunate. Christy Woods is here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. It's good to be here. I'm sure it's not the first time you heard that you're the better half of Colin and Christy. I think it goes back and forth. I think we are definitely a good uh, yin and yang, fire and water kind of team, that that masculine, feminine <laughs> well, counterpart. And, that, and what's great is that's sort of what you do and teach in, in your business. So Christy is an intuitive empath, and she is a sex, love, and relationships coach and a Reiki uh, master healer. And I don't think I've ever had a Reiki master healer on cool things entrepreneurs do. So Christy, why don't you tell everybody sort of sort of who are you and, and what do you do in business? And then we'll sort of go backwards into your life a little bit. Okay. Well, I am a sex love relationship coach. That's that's really the flavor, uh, the main expression that I put out when I'm, I'm I'm putting that call out for anyone who wants to come and work with me. 
there is a host of energetic tools and modalities that I work with in my practice and with my um, clients. Reiki is one of them. I also work with tantric and shamanic philosophies. But what I focus on is really individuals who are wanting to up-level in their relationship. And I've always been fascinated by relationships because really what is life about, right? How do we know ourselves except in relationship with other people? And that's really one of our greatest sources of growth and expansion in this life because it is those closest to us, especially our family, of course, our romantic partner, that really is that mere reflection of so much growth potential inside of us. So every time husband or wife triggers you, (laughs) right, that's an opportunity for growth. And so to really, I started deep diving um, into that in my own life. I was always fascinated by human psychology, but I started deep diving into that. And my own life as I was navigating the waters of my relationship with Colin. And it just became very clear that this was something that I was meant to do and to help others do as well. So I think that's fascinating. And I've been married 28 years uh, coming up on soon. We've been together 29. So we're, we're hitting that big 3-0 together pretty soon. And and it is fascinating. You do go through sort of different stages of a, of a relationship. And, and of course, I've seen that with, with friends and other people in my life. You're close with people. And then for whatever reason, you drift away. So I, I think you're right. I think it is a fascinating thing. And, and on the business side, I always tell people that all opportunities come from people. So it's that piece, it's that relationship piece of how we connect, whether it's in a, in a friendship or a love relationship or just in a business setting. It's that that really separates sort of when we succeed and when we don't. It's how we connect with people. So I think I, think I want to talk more about what you do, but I also want to go backwards a little bit. So I don't know, there was some title that you won. What, what, what title did you win several years back when you were a teenager? Well, uh, once upon a time, I became the first Miss Texas teen to win Miss Teen USA. That was in 1996. I was not really a pageant person. It kind of fell into my experience, but I'd already been warned by my parents that I would be paying for my own college. And so I needed (laughs) to get that figured out. I started working at 16 um, to make extra money for school clothes and thought, well, here's an opportunity. I don't, I don't know if um, waiting tables is going to really help fully pay for college, but maybe there's other opportunities out there. And the idea of pageants uh, came in. And um, yeah, you know, next thing you know, I competed in Miss Houston. One Miss Houston teen went on to Miss Texas teen and then went on to Miss Teen USA. It was a very brief pageant career, but it did pay for my college. So Sure. Well, I think I, I, I always joke when I have people on. I, I recently interviewed a, men, a gentleman by the name of Jim Cathcart. He's a very famous professional speaker and author. He's been 73 years old. He's been doing this for many, many years. And Jim went through the list of jobs he had before he found his true calling uh, in life. And he said that he had sold donuts door to door. And I made the joke that I think that's the first donut salesman we've ever had on the show. But <laughs> but I can certainly say I am fairly confident. I have never interviewed a Miss Teen USA before. So uh, I, I like people coming on the show who have different types of backgrounds. You went on from that to be a television actress for a little while. I did. Uh, after I gave up my crown as Miss Teen USA, I moved to LA. I wanted to do some modeling and some acting and explore that 
really, I was um, wanting to just express myself and get out of the small town of Huntsville, Texas. I was born and raised small town East Texas and probably saw myself as a black sheep inside that town. Really, the, the philosophies and some of the programming of my own family didn't resonate with me. And I wanted to explore what else was out there. And this was an opportunity to do so. And because of Miss Teen USA, I was able to get in the door with agents and be able to um, explore that. And yeah, along the way, um, I did several commercials, national commercials, which was great because in those days they paid very well and helped pay for my bills. But I was also cast in a television series, The New Adventures of Robin Hood. It was a TNT series, kind of like a Xena Hercules. We filmed it in Vilnius, Lithuania, which was... <laughs> amazing for me, really. One of one of the biggest times in my life where there was huge growth and expansion because for the first time, yes, I'd been living in LA, um, but moving to Vilnius, I'd never been to Europe. I'd never traveled on my own. When I wasn't working, I would travel all throughout Europe and really learn about the different cultures. And the actors and actresses and even the directors that would be uh, that would be brought onto the set, they were from all over the world. And they had all different types of philosophical views on life, religious, um, cultural backgrounds. And so I was a sponge. I mean, this is when I was 20, 19 and 20 years old and just soaking up as much information as I could and lots of book recommendations and really just exploring who... I was, which ultimately had me realize that I did want to go back to school and did eventually move back to Texas and uh, go to UT in Austin, which is where I met Colin. Oh, all right. I was going to ask sort of what happened after your Hollywood career and what led you to entrepreneurship, <laughs> but I guess back to school and meeting Colin. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. your husband is sort of an entrepreneur's entrepreneur would be the way I would describe him. I mean, mm -hmm. he seems like, you know, from out of the womb, he was creating and selling and doing that. And in fact, uh, if people should go back and listen to the episode, it is the longest episode ever recorded on cool things entrepreneurs do. Uh, part of it was because Colin did like to talk. But the second thing was I should have split it. We talked about his uh, adventures in the industry of commercial drones. And then we talked about the amazing race. So it really was two entirely separate episodes. So I tease him that it's the longest episode, but it's really not his fault. I sort of interviewed him about two entirely different topics. Um, but did you have an entrepreneurial bug inside of you before you met Colin? Or is that something that sort of rubbed off in, in being in relationship with him? You know, that's a good question. I think that it probably rubbed off as a result of being with him. He is, Colin is a fascinating individual. He is definitely what I would call an outgoing extrovert. He loves people. He loves building relationship. He really, that really feeds his soul. And he's always been an entrepreneur. And when we graduated from college, he, of course, was starting a series of different businesses and things that fascinated him and was really focused on that. And I went into pharmaceutical sales. And for sure, I was envious of his much more flexible schedule. And the fact that he was really working towards something that was meaningful for him and not necessarily for someone else. So being a part of that now, of course, in those early days, we had to pay the bills and I was the breadwinner there say, for a minute. Ph pharmaceutical so. <laughs> sales was looking pretty good. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's a little bit more flexible than your traditional nine to five and you're not in the office all the time. I knew kind of what I, that I couldn't be in an office all day, every day and that I needed some kind of flexibility and freedom. But watching him for sure inspired me to want to really go out and venture on my own and do something that was meaningful to me and meaningful to my soul. What I felt like was part of my, my dharma, my, my, I wanted my, you know, I watched him turn what he loved to do and uh, as a hobby into a way of making money. And so when I really deepened into that for myself, what I realized is I really love helping others. I love human psychology. I love understanding why we make the decisions that we do, why we act in accordance, why we go unconscious sometimes and we act in a way that we don't necessarily want to and later we regret what, what's going on there. And I was fascinated by it and I would read books about it and it was just something that I was constantly exploring on my own. And so realizing that, wow, this is what I'm fascinated by and this is what I would love to I would love to use my intuitive gifts to help others do the same and get a pay and get paid abundantly <laughs> for doing it <laughs> well and and I've only been around you and Colin personally a couple of times but the way I describe you guys as a couple to to friends who are like you know Colin and Christy it is funny uh, uh, when I posted online that I was at the amazing race cast party I had several friends who are like how in the hell did you end up there and I'm like, oh, well, I have a mutual friend with Colin and Christy. And they're like, you know, Colin and Christy. And the way I describe you both is I said, neither of you think small. And you can tell that I sat in your office a year ago and then I was with you all day at the at the event in Dallas. And I like the way you both are uh, big thinkers, but you also don't let people get away with small comments. I don't remember what it was, but I said something and you corrected me in a very nice <laughs> way. I mean, this is not, I'm not saying in a bad way, but it was yeah. like, God, she's absolutely right. And it was definitely a don't put yourself in a box kind of comment. I don't remember mm -hmm. the situation, but you were like, mm -mm, we're not going to let you say that. You need to think that. I mean, it was very good. Yeah. In that. And so the two of you both both have that. So I do want to talk about your business, though. But before mm -hmm. we get there, we're not going to mm -hmm. spend as much time as we did with your husband. But let's talk about The Amazing Race, because I think it frames up uh, you guys as a couple, which I think falls into to your business quite a bit. So you had two amazing race experiences. Can you kind of sum them both up for, for us? And then I'll go back to what I want to ask. Okay. Yeah. Well, because I had been Miss Teen USA, back in the day when all these reality shows started really gaining momentum, I would get calls from casting directors to go on The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. There were a couple of other ones that are not on anymore, and I don't even remember the names of them. <laughs> and in those days, if you were an actress or an actor, you, didn't, you wouldn't do that. It, you didn't do reality television because it kind of got in the way of really being seen as a legitimate actor. Of course, now they all want to do it, right? Because then that's it, their ticket totally to fame. It's totally different right? now. Yeah. yeah, it's a totally different world now with social media and Instagram. Instagram, et cetera. It's a totally different world. But in those days, not so much. Well, when I had decided to go back to school, back to college, and that was really my focus, I did get a call from a show called The Amazing Race, which I had never heard of. You were and season three, so this was still pretty new, right? Yes, we were season five, oh, and it was new. We'd never seen it. And I really kind of said no. You know, I said, I'll think about it, but I wasn't taking it seriously. And then I mentioned it to Colin when I got home. Oh, another reality show called, it's called The Amazing Race. And I guess he decided to look it up, realized what it was, and then brought me over and said, hey, Christy, this is traveling around the world, doing all kinds of amazing 
adventures and, you know, being part of this bigger game, this larger game where you're, you're integrating into these different cultures and you really kind of have to know airport strategy. And there's so much about this that we love and we're really good at. We want to do this. Let's do this. Please give her a call back. So it was really his kind of pushing. And when she originally called, she wanted me to do it with another girl. They were really hoping I would do it. it they were casting two pageant girls. They would, they would cast pageant girls because pageant girls are, I guess they're good for the camera, but they're also really competitive. And uh, when I called her back, and I'm not exactly sure what I mentioned about the dynamic of mine and Colin's relationship, but whatever she heard, she immediately wanted him on. And I knew she was kind of reading into it maybe more than what I had said, but I also knew he would be great television. He's just, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's totally unfiltered. I mean, he's very real. He, he, right? he, he was great television on both seasons, but yes. of course I didn't know you 15 years ago or whenever season five was. Um, so it was different to watch the second time. Cause I, I came in with, uh, uh, a level of already feeling like, oh, I know them and they're so cool. Uh, but going back, I remember, my, so this is my wife's favorite television show. And that's how we ended up getting introduced is my wife is a fanatic about The Amazing Race. She's crazy about the show. Would love it if we could give her get the opportunity to, to do that because it's like her favorite. She's watched every season, every episode. I don't think she's missed one. Uh, when we were with you at the, the cast party and we got to meet Phil, the host of the show, mm. she was mm-hmm. like, it was as if the Beatles had gotten off the plane <laughs> in 1963. Uh, Feels amazing. Yeah. So so anyway, uh, I remember that uh, that initial thing. And, and Colin was great television. And I t- talked about this on his episode. Maybe not in the best way. He maybe wasn't America's favorite sweetheart. Uh, that that first uh, that first one. However, you juxtaposition that with the show that you guys did last year, and there was a big difference in Colin and Christy over that fifteen year period. Yeah, you know, when Amazing Race came back into our lives, and this was, again, just a series of synchronicities, we happened to be looking for a family show to watch with our boys and our boys specifically like these competition shows, whether it's the voice or even just teen cooking shows, whatever it is, they just really love the competition shows. And so I looked up top rated family shows and amazing race was right there at the top. And I realized, because honestly that, that experience of season five, where I knew he would be great television (laughs) Because I knew he would be uber competitive and I knew that he wouldn't have a filter. And yet I could not have predicted at all that the experience of season five would be what it was. Although while we were filming it, I did let him know about not even halfway through. I said, you know, you're the villain. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're kidding. No, I couldn't possibly be because Colin then is really still the Colin he is now. He's more integrated. He's more mature, but he's still he was still very open hearted and very loving and really helping other teams. This was actually a big part of season five as well. However, um, because of certain times, the way that he showed up and the questions that the storytellers were asking, who are really the editors who will later be editing the show and telling the story and what they were focused on, they were only focused on the, a certain one-dimensional character, which I tried to break down to him because I had done television. It was very obvious to me. For him, it wasn't until we were watching it play back that he realized. And it does make a difference knowing someone going in because I remember watching each episode and just 
tears and Colin had to go sleep on the couch and I'd call my mom. And of course she was like, what? I thought it was great because the people who kind of know you can't ever see just that one dimensional side. They know all sides. And so we realized that that's how our family and our tribe saw it, but not so much the rest of the world. Anyway, so Amazing Race became part of our history. One of those things we really didn't talk that much about. I mean, we did recognize that on while we were racing, we had a beautiful time, a beautiful experience, but watching it back, not so much. <laughs> and we didn't necessarily feel like it was the most fair. Um, you know, we had just kind of left it in the past. Well, and However, I, I learned that they can edit these things. And talking to some of your friends at the cast party, uh, the way they edit it, and I'm going to mess up the the chrono- chronology of this, but one of the the team, and they I don't know remember their first names, but they were the the uh, uh, the Afghanimals. There was a, there was a situation where they had cut off another team, and the way it aired was the question was asked, "Oh, did you know that was her birthday?" And the person goes, "Oh, happy birthday." you know, whatever her name was, the, the person's name. Well, that had been filmed earlier in the day. Later, they turned them around and it looked like he was like, nah, happy birthday. <laughs> and he was telling me the story that the chronolo- chronology of it wasn't in that order, but boy, did it make good television when they snipped it that way. Definitely. And I did have to give that to the editors in season five that even though we happen to be on the not so great side of the editing, um, likely because we came in second and not first, that makes a big difference in the story that they're telling. This is a television show. They want there to be a story arc. However, um, I did have to give it to them that it was great television, <laughs> you know, for what it's worth. It's great television. But anyway, and, and the, world will, the world will never be the same with, without the line. My cow is broken. Yeah, my ox is my broken. My ox is broken. Yeah, my ox is broken. However, you know, it's interesting how things happen in your life and that hindsight 2020, right? And you realize what a gift it actually was. And so that's what the the story arc of Amazing Race really became for us. So when we saw that it was top rated shows, we realized our boys had never seen the show before our season. I'm not sure they'd even watch the show, but they hadn't seen our season for sure. And we decided, you know, it's time. They're old enough and let's do this. And we're curious to see what the experience is like because the first time around was we watched it when it aired and we never watched it again. Now it's 15 years later. And as we watched it, it was a wonderful experience to A, laugh at ourselves. And literally it felt like we were watching other people almost to the point where we couldn't even relate. It was just so different. And it wasn't just age. We had realized our consciousness had shifted such that we really were different people. And it was great to take our boys through different lessons, choices that we had made and to walk through, you know, what could we have done better? And also as a reminder to say, we're all human. We all make mistakes. We all are doing the best we can given the consciousness we have access to at the time. And so that was beautiful. But by the time we're watching the finale, we're in Jackson Hole on spring break and crying, remembering the experience and how beautiful it really was. And the next day, we're on the mountain snowboarding. And this is an annual hedonic calendaring that we do together every spring break. We have them, it's once a quarter, where we really 
go into a high vibrational space. So this is the Teton Mountains. There's crystal caves all along the back. You're on the snow. That's water, right? Water is a huge conductor of energy. There's so much we don't yet know about water and the, the memory that it holds. But snowboarding on those mountains high on life, we will collaborate on what is what it is we want to create with each other in the world this year. And during that time, it became very clear, we should go back on the race. How about let's just plant that seed? So we sent a text to Lynn, a casting director that we didn't even know if she was a part of the show or not still. Turns out she was. And three weeks later, we were emailed. Lo and behold, they were already casting an All-Stars, which they had invited us back on the original All-Stars. We found out we were pregnant with Achilles, our oldest. We couldn't do it. And we weren't meant to do it then. But this synchronicity, the way Amazing Race came back into our lives, being in that vibrational frequency of remembering what it was and not remembering it from a place of lack, like how dare they edit us the wrong way, really remembering the true essence of what that experience was like for us. And then we planted the seed from that space and it was already in the ethers. So meaning that whisper that I, that I heard, if you can open yourself up to the magic can be, that is what being in the flow of life is. You're inspired into action. The inspired action was to send the text to Lynn. Three weeks later, they're already casting the show. They were already in the middle of it. If we had waited even a month later, it would have been like, darn, you know, wish you'd have told us three weeks ago or a month ago because we just cast and they just left, et cetera. But it was perfect timing. And when they were leaving was also perfect timing for us. Our boys were already at camp for three weeks, staying with grandparents. We didn't even have to deal with that logistically. And because it was happening in such a flow state, and I, I, I say this um, because with my clients, we work on abundance and manifestation and how that works when you're, you're working with the energy and not necessarily just the three-dimensional doing, right? You're, you're really focused on the being, which is your energetic blueprint that you're putting out into the world. And then what are you calling back? When the Red Seas start to part... For something to come into your experience, you really start to go with it. Of course, there's work to be done, but it's really kind of happening with ease and grace. And that's when I start to become really humbled, especially with these bigger things that Colin and I will manifest. And obviously, the race is one of those. And we knew that there was something much bigger going on and that we were simply a cooperative component of that. And so we really started to feel into what is our North Star, right? What is our North star about going on the show. Sure, it'd be great to go have that experience and travel around the world and be with my best friend and win a million dollars. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. But what's the transmission that we want to give out into the world, especially knowing that we have this other season five experience? A lot has happened in our life. We have really shifted. And this is an opportunity to really show two different ways of being, two different ways of expressing and how very different those choices, that, that, that type of energy can inspire choices that then can create a completely different outcome. 
And so that was the North Star that we wanted to really share this collaboration over competition and really working with the energy of mindfulness and using meditation and even sex magic, all of the practices that we do in our everyday life that really help call in what it is that we're wanting to create and put out into the world. And that this was an opportunity to really be thrown into the lion's den because this is not about writing a book and telling people how to do it. This is putting yourself in it because you really are in it when you're there. No joke. It looks much easier on television than it is in real life. Believe me, when we were on that starting line and Phil was about to say three, two, one, go, I am just thinking, what did we get ourselves into? It's too late now. Here we go. And you really have to maintain that North Star because there, there, it's, it's something bigger that you're working toward, right? And that's what's really driving you. And we maintained that type of flow state the entire time we were on the show such that because we knew, look, there's certain things that are out of our control, the story they're going to tell, the editing. But what we can control is our own alignment and how we respond to the conditions that are thrown at us. And in that way, and we can control the frequency that we live at and the frequency that I like to live at, that's probably the one of the most potent is love. You know, we talk about love and it's the same kind of, you know, maybe the word God, there's, there's so many understandings and misunderstandings of what that actually is. But love is a frequency and it's a very potent frequency that when you're actually utilizing it into the container, uh, inside the container of really manifesting a reality that you want to experience. And this is not about, I want to win the race. This is, I want to experience joy. I want to experience gratitude. I want to experience laughter. You can start to interject uh, and the cab driver's coming in and he loves the race and he wants to work extra hard because he's so excited about the show. And then next thing you know, the leg starts and that's what's happening. You start to realize how much that segment intending can influence what your reality is. You, you start to build your faith and your ability to not just be a cooperative component, but to be a component that can really influence the outcome. And we wanted to show people that this is, this is possible, that we're not special. This is really anyone can do this when they actually learn how to tap into that type of creation. Well, and the reason yeah. I wanted to ask about the two seasons is is just the yeah. way you two interacted with each other, the way you interacted yes. with other teams. And, and I do realize that the editing is part of it, but it came across so clearly having, you know, remembered that that episode from years ago and having watched it so closely this second time. And again, I, you know, I'm probably not quoting it perfectly, but there was there was a point where something frustrating was happening. I couldn't remember if you couldn't find your cab or something was going on. And at one point... And, and forgive me if I get this wrong, but at one point there was tension and you and Colin decided, let's just breathe for a second. And that made it into the show. And I thought, boy, that is such an important lesson, not just a juxtaposition off season five, but it's such an important lesson for all of us. When we get into a situation where something's out of control, let's just regroup. And I thought that was edited beautifully because I thought that showed how people can change. But it also showed how all of us could be able to react. So I just wanted to 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 draw that attention because I thought that was I, that was my favorite part of the whole season. Knowing you for the second for the second season or thirty one. Yeah, absolutely. That was um, part of our intention was to 
mirror show what we call what Tony Robbins would call a level three relationship. And part of that level three relationship is really being able to hold space for the other. So what was so beautiful, and again, this is where I'm humbled um, in that finale show both of us had the opportunity to do it for the other. There was a moment of me getting triggered and going unconscious and Colin really holding that space for me. And then later putting together the drum set where he started to do the same (laughs) and I was able to hold space and bring him back in. And that is the beautiful thing that a relationship, especially when you're using it as a spiritual practice, as a means to really grow, to know that you've got someone there that has that ability to hold space for you. I mean, that's a powerful combo. Like those other teams had no chance, honestly. <laughs> well, well, one last thing and then we'll get off the race. I didn't mean to talk this much about it, but I, I, I am a fan. Uh, the other thing about that finale that was separate from what we've been talking about, but that also shows how strategy leads you to victory is one of the choices that you had and that you guys ended up was ending up in a rowing skull and mm-hmm. having to do a timed row. Now, I've never tried this, but I've watched people try to row for the first time and it, it the, there's balance, there's strength. It's impossible to do if you've never done it before. And they're throwing you all into this situation. Now, Colin obviously is an extreme athlete. If you don't know Colin, his arms are like the size of my leg. So, I mean, he's buff, he's strong. However, I assume based on seeing this, that he had rowed before, but even still, Everybody else was getting in there. They're trying to figure out the timing with their partner. And the first thing he says to you is to raise your oars up and just keep them up. And then that way you don't have to worry about the timing. The strategy, the the way he saw that and the strategy of, okay, let's not deal with two problems. Let's just go with, I have the strength. She keeps the oars up and you beat all the other teams because everybody else couldn't get that done. I actually thought that was brilliant strategy. It was so brilliant and actually more brilliant than you even, than is even shown on the show. Colin, first of all, has never rode. Oh, I see. That's, I've told this story to other people and I said, I'm sure he'd rode before. No. And he was kind of kicking himself because he had been given the opportunity a couple of times on, on Lake Austin and, and not taken up uh, the, the friend that was offering. But that was the first time. And the thing about the race and these challenges, especially as you get later in the season, is they're very difficult, but they're always doable. And you really do want to start thinking outside the box. And so in looking around at the other teams and realizing the hardest part was getting into sync with the rowing, especially with the balance, right? So Colin has never rowed before, but he is a paddleboarder. So yes, he's got really strong arms and he, he, he knows the fundamentals and the physics of the, the rowing and the paddling. Um, but what I did do, so I'm not actually holding the oars up. I'm actually doing something that was quite difficult. What I'm what I'm doing is I'm actually balancing us. So you can't balance with one person rowing the oars. So what I was actually doing was holding the oars at the perfect level of the water. And then sometimes we would dip to the right and sometimes we would dip to the left. And so I had to use all the might, literally all the strength that I had to make sure that we were staying balanced while he was then rowing all by himself to cover that minute course. And I, it was a brilliant strategy. And at the same time, I'm not sure 
I, I was a brilliant strategy. And at the same time, I'm not sure any of the other teams would have been able to do it because it required a tremendous amount of strength and balance from both parties. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't know that any of those other teams would have been able to do that. Like the other teams would have been able to probably balance the way I was doing, but then the one individual not be able to row as fast as Colin yeah, was I mean, able he, to. So I mean, he's a strong, he's a strong guy, but you, you could watch him, you know, on that thing. He just gave it everything that he had. And you yes. said, you said something that I want everybody to write down. Cause this wasn't just about the, the tasks of the race as you go through the race. But I think you said something that is profound about life. And that is, as you go along, things get more difficult, but they're doable. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's an example that, that we can take sort of everywhere. So so shifting away from, uh, you know, your pageant and your acting uh, and, and your amazing race days, let's talk a little bit about the business that you have now, because I'm fascinated with the fact that you're, you know, a sex, love and relationship coach. But I'm also fascinated with your, you know, being an intuitive empath and the fact that you've turned this into a business where you're really helping people deal with real issues. So, so how did you start this business and, and, and what gets you out of bed every day? Cause I can tell just from watching you that you love what you do. Yes. Well, I, again, I started down this road because I was deep diving into my own personal development and Colin and I, we are on our 19th year and the last six years has, have been beautiful expansion, beautiful growth, tremendous shifts in our relationship and lifting of patterns, right? Not just with each other, but also with our children. And seeing that happen in my own relationship was real life proof that when people are given the tools and the resources, we don't we don't go to school to learn how to be in relationship, right? Very few of us. <laughs> and, and our parents are, don't do a good job of teaching us, even if they have a great, my parents had a great relationship and they didn't teach me the stuff I need to know. Exactly. You know, our, our parents tend to tr- um, teach us through their transmission and they, they, they have the best of intentions, but the problem is they're also being programmed from a, you know, I think of consciousness as the software and our body as the hardware. So we come in, right, um, fresh and we might be the latest and greatest software at that time. I came in in 1977. My 12-year-old came in in, in 2007 and he's, he reminded me, mom, I've, I've never been, the entire time I've been alive, um, there's been an iPhone. And I like to think of it like, you know, that's right. When I came in in 1977, I was a rotary phone software, right? You missed the bicentennial by a year. <laughs> Well, so he, however, is iPhone software. It's a big jump. It's a big difference, right? So already just recognizing that that's how the human collective consciousness evolves is that it's not so much that someone who's been living in this three-dimensional reality for 30 years has a child and now I'm going to teach you all the ins and outs and rights and wrong. When you think of the expansiveness of eternity, and I believe that we are eternal beings, eternal spiritual beings that are temporarily coming into a physical body, having a human experience. And so there is a wealth of wisdom in that tiny little baby. In fact, 
even more so than what you have access to because they're coming in fresh. Mm -hmm. However, we're born into the garden that we're born into. And so depending on society, culture, religion of our parents and their ideologies and their programs and their patterns, that gets transmitted to us. And for some of us, we're really lucky. We had great examples and we go on to live happy, healthy lives. For others of us, not so much. And what I was learning in my relationship with Colin is that both of us had picked up on some not so great relationship patterns. So we loved each other very much. There was a magnetic draw to each other. And when there were triggers, when there were pains that came up, we really didn't know how to handle those in a healthy way. And yet there was a deep yearning to be able to do so, a deep yearning to have harmony in my relationship and not just harmony. I didn't, I wanted to thrive in my relationship. So as I began to do that, I was actually going back to school to get um, my master's degree in psychology. So I was going to go that traditional route. And again, one of those series of synchronicities where I was watching a video which led me down a whole rabbit hole, I came upon the idea of coaching, life coaching. And this really spoke to me because a little bit different than traditional therapy, where you might kind of go revisit the same old story of your past. This was really about maximizing your potential, really optimizing your human potential. And that's really what I've always been about. You know, Colin has always said that about me. He's like, no matter how good it is, you can appreciate that and start to look at all the ways in which it could be even better. And I remember watching award shows and loving to see people in their greatest moment accept the award and that, that potential. And I really love to do that, um, to see that in others and really inspire that in others. And so it just became very clear. It was just a very natural step that this is instead of going back to school and becoming your traditional therapist, that I would start to coach people. And it started more general. And as I started to deep dive as one does in a subject, you're in that flow state and certain things really start to speak to you more than others. And I also, in my own transformation, I was noticing that it was my relationships that were really inspiring the biggest transformation. And so that's why I decided to really deep dive into that sex love relationship niche and apply all the other things that I'd been learning to that particular niche because I really feel like when someone's thriving in their relationships, everything else starts to come together. Well, and I think that for entrepreneurs, I think that is often an area that gets derailed because sometimes you work a lot and sometimes you have bumps in the road. And I think sometimes it can it can derail people. And so I think this is an area that's important for people who are on that entrepreneur thing because it's easy to sort of box yourself in and say, okay, I'm just going to leave my relationship over here and deal with these work problems. But I've I've come to learn that we're really a whole. We don't get to compartmentalize ourselves. And so if if one or the other area is crap, then it's going to work its way into whatever the good side is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And most people who really start deep diving into personal development and that that particular road are really looking to feel better, are really looking to experience more joy, more love in their life. And yes, there is the entrepreneurial side. There is the, um, the, the building of the career. Often that stems from um, 
an, an achievement, a wanting to prove myself, a wanting to prove that I'm worthy to be here, right? And, and worthy to be a part of what's happening here, again, in this three-dimensional reality. But when you start to really go in beneath, what really makes people happy is their relationship. So even when you go to work, right? It's kind of like if you love what you do, but you hate who you work with, or there's no harmony there, that really affects your life. So learning how to um, work inside of the inside of relationship, not just inside your family, but to the greater world, right? And going into work every day and working with your peers, that is what really contributes to overall life satisfaction. So I really like deep diving into that part because that's what I—that's what I mean by things start to things start to fall in place once you start to learn why it is that you're reacting to certain ways of being in others, and you start to take again. It's taking your sovereignty back. You know, running a business and being an entrepreneur is really about owning that sovereignty, right? But we can't really do that if we're kind of playing the blame game or looking at the forces outside of ourselves as why we're not getting from point A to point B. So it's really reclaiming that sovereignty. And ultimately, that, that, that most important relationship is that relationship between you and you. So it's really, that's discovering that internal emotional guidance system, right? So when I talk about frequency, often people, what is that? Well, the easiest way you can think of it is emotions. So what emotion are you at, right? So in this moment, if I'm feeling joy, that, that's, a, that's a frequency. If I'm feeling love, that's a frequency. But if someone at work, if my coworker, my partner in business has said or done something and now I'm feeling anger, that's a different frequency. And so what do I do with that anger? How do I start to um, listen to the consciousness, the, the wisdom, the information that this anger is wanting to tell me? Because when you can become an expert, a master at that you will start to see, again, everything start to fall into place and you will understand, you know, like you, you will start to learn how to get into that flow of life, which is what most people are wanting. Wow. A lot of what you're talking about really sort of impacts a lot of stuff I've gone through the last several months with, with sort of some self-discovery. And I've actually got a few more questions for you. We might actually approach... <laughs> the longest episode ever. <laughs> I know you're competitive. Yeah. We might be beating Colin for the longest episode ever. But before I can ask you a couple more questions, mm -hmm. I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, it's brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Christy Woods. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Christy, you said a couple things that were in there. And one was you said that relationship you said with you and you. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I recently ran across was, was an old video of, of Brian Tracy, who's a famous speaker and author. And he said, one of the things you have to do to be successful in life is you have to like yourself. And I did some diving into this and I realized that maybe I had struggled with some of that. Maybe I secretly wasn't liking myself. It's not just believing in yourself that you have the ability, but to really like yourself. How important do you think it is for people to be successful to really have that relationship with themselves. 
I think it's everything. And I, I would I would go even further than like yourself, and I would say love yourself. That you really it is that the foundation really for that that well being to really allow that well being to come into your life in all areas of your life is that self love. Ultimately, when I'm working with my clients, that's where I don't care if they're coming to me about their financial circumstances, their relationship, their weight, what we're ultimately getting to is the foundation of self-love and cultivating more self-love. The beautiful thing about doing that inside the container of a relationship is, for example, when I say I use Colin and my relationship as a spiritual practice, okay, I literally think of, the practice is, I literally think of him as the physical manifestation of the masculine aspect that lives within me. He is a mirror reflection, right? So therefore, when he is saying or doing something that triggers me, I'm recognizing that it's not about him, it's about me and the energy that's arising, whether that's frustration or anger or sadness or rage, right? That's energy that is coming from within me. And that's what I mean by starting to get curious to see what's going on. Because what we often tend to do is we project those feelings onto our partners and we play the blame game rather than actually looking at what part of me and often if you go far enough it might be three-year-old Christy or 12-year-old Christy who is still feeling neglected, right? And I might want to blame that on my partner because he's neglecting me. When in reality, it's there, It's a piece of me that's feeling neglected that then I can start to have that relationship with that piece of me. So that's between you and you, right? So the 42-year-old Christy, who has a very different life, who actually is a sovereign being, who doesn't need anyone outside of her to make her feel not neglected or safe, I turn inward and I start to nourish the relationship with the three-year-old Christy who is feeling neglected. And when you start, that's what integration means. That's what maturing those pieces, uh, you could call them sub-personalities or pieces of the body-mind. But when you start to mature those, now Colin could exhibit the exact same behavior that elicited the rage before that literally doesn't do that in me anymore because I have literally expanded my consciousness. I have broadened my perspective. And in real time, that's how you can see that you're growing as as a human being. And you start to watch it inside your closest relationships. For me, it's with my children and Colin. And when I see certain behaviors that immediately gave rise that suddenly are no big deal, it's not because I'm trying, it's not mind over matter. It's literally healing the stuck energy in the body. It's, it's allowing it to process through the body. So think of fight or flight, right? When something happens, we, we think of trauma, right? It, it's stuck energy in the body. We go into fight or flight. Well, that's a cycle. So once upon a time, if we were being chased by a saber-toothed 
tiger, he either caught us and ate us, or we got that adrenaline rush, ran back to the village and who were safe, right? We completed that stress cycle. Well, in our everyday life now, right? Modern life, we don't necessarily complete those stress cycles. And when those stress cycles are not completed, they get stuck in the body usually, and you can start to get connected with the body. You can start to feel it. That's why breath work, meditation, yoga, qigong, that's why these types of modalities really, really, I mean, they're kind of table stakes if you want to start processing that and becoming a more highly functioning human being. So what advice do you have then for someone who wants to start their own business? And maybe your advice isn't just your experience starting your own coaching business. Maybe your advice is what you teach and what entrepreneurs need if they're going to go there. But but just wherever you want to go, what advice do you have someone who's listening to the show who wants to be an entrepreneur who can learn from what you know? Well, first of all, if you want to be an entrepreneur... I would look at what it is that you love to do, what inspires you the most, and start to think outside the box. So kind of like Colin, when I met him in in college, he was racing RC cars in Hobby Town. That was what he wanted to do on a Saturday. And I remember being former Miss Teen USA, asking myself, what am I doing here? (laughs) And then he started flying the toy helicopters. And suddenly turned that into a business. He started thinking outside the box, right? Based on even some other engineering knowledge that he had and then the relationships that he was building. And so I would look at what is it that you love to do and then start thinking creatively in ways in which you could be doing that on a daily basis and be getting paid for it, right? Because that's what gets you out of bed. It's not the nine to five. It's not the paycheck, right? It's what gets you out of bed is that you love what you do on a daily basis. So if you're going to, if, if, if you're choosing to be an entrepreneur, this is the opportunity to choose to do something that you love doing. That's the number one thing. Um, the other thing is action. It's the daily action. So, and, and what I mean by that is sometimes it, it can be very scary to be an entrepreneur. You really have to face your fears. There is a lot that also is a spiritual practice because you are often going to be up against and because you don't have someone else there necessarily holding you accountable, it's very easy to make up excuses and to procrastinate and to put it off until tomorrow. So what I would say is make the daily list of actions that really move the needle. And it's not 10 things. It's usually two or three that you're for sure going to get done each day that continue to move the needle in your business. And what you will find is things start to happen as you just have that consistency. And if it's something that you love to do, you're excited to wake up in the morning and go do it. So one of the things I do when I work with companies is I talk about this performance gap, this gap that exists between people's potential and the results that they get. So I ask everyone who comes on this show, because I use this show as as my way of learning and research. Why do you think some people, I mean, a lot of people have potential and they become an entrepreneur, they start a business, they follow their dream. Some people go as far as they can go. Some people are big thinkers. You know, you and your husband are thinking two, three steps ahead. And some people, they have the same potential, but they get stuck and they never seem to go anywhere. What do you think that difference is? I think the stuckness is the fear. It's what I was talking about before. It is the underlying fear that um, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Someone else is doing it better. Why 
I, I can't do it as good as this person. It's the comparison and the contrasting. And so it can be both the fear of failure and the fear of success. And that will literally paralyze someone from taking action. So it's really what I was talking about before. It's it's the knowing that and the accepting of it and, and the realization that even those that are able to turn their hobby into a successful business, they're facing fear every single day. There's always something standing in the way. There's always obstacles. And yet they continue to take action. They continue to be consistent. So it's those that are really willing to do that, really willing to step into the discomfort right? To get out of the comfort zone. It's really easy to stay in the comfort zone, but you really kind of have to push your edges if you're really wanting to be that that successful entrepreneur. Because this is because entrepreneurship is really about growth and expansion. And if you're not ready for that type of um, journey, <laughs> I would say don't do it. Because that's really what it's about. It, it is about that growth and expansion inside the self, which is why I I call it a spiritual practice because I see that. I mean, those those are the successful ones. It's not because they don't have the fear. It's because they're willing to face the fear. So Christy, I call this podcast Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? Coolest thing I'm doing? Well, right now I am putting together couple of retreats that we will be having on. So we recently purchased a 62-foot catamaran, which we named Twin Flame. This oh, I was- love, I love that. And I just recently found, discovered what a Twin Flame is. Love the name. There you go. So this was uh, part of our winnings from the race. We bought a, Colin grew up sailing, and that was always part of our future visioning. And we were able to figure out a way to make it happen sooner rather than later. And so we have a 62-foot catamaran with a captain, chef, and crew in the BVIs that you can charter. But also, Colin and I are working on couples retreats. We're working on, I'm, uh, with a, I'm working on goddess retreats with a mentor of mine for women only. And we're also looking at, um, and we'll be doing one in February, a whale swimming with whales retreat in Turks and Caicos, where we'll have different sound healers that'll be playing for the whales and really watching to see how they respond to the music. So that's probably the coolest thing that that I'm doing right now is putting together those retreats because I will say we've been on the boat since we since we purchased it three times uh, with Tribe and it is that is a portal the most magical experience you, you can really imagine it just it, it is such a nourishing space of healing and awakening and so I couldn't think of a better way, a better location to really open couples and to really open women up to the power within than inside that container. So that's what I'm most excited about. How cool is that? That's awesome. And, and, and I think it's cool to do something special like that. If you have a windfall like you did with the amazing race, I think that's awesome. Yeah, it was because, you know, honestly, it's not really about things with money. It's about experiences. Life is about experiences. So for us, when we were manifesting the boat, we were doing the same five senses reality, same kind of thing as winning the race. We were imagining the teak beneath our feet. We were imagining the salt water going through our hair, the warm sun on our bodies, and the experiences that we would be having with our boys. Colin could really tap into the experiences he had with his brother and his dad in order to do so. So it 
was really about what can, how can we use this money to create experience that's really going to shift, right? Shift the game, up-level the game for us. Another thing also I do want to mention is Colin and I have a free video series at colinandchristy.com. And it is specifically for couples who are wanting to up-level their level of intimacy and connection with each other. And that is totally free. And I've actually watched the videos. And you guys do a really good job of being open and honest about your experience and and your love and and how you've grown in those videos. I think they're very good. So Thank you. Yeah, I think there you know what we what we put in that video, it's a free video series. We will eventually put together another video series that goes deeper and obviously we will go deeper in the couples retreat. But this was really kind of the low-hanging fruit of if you're just doing these things and you did nothing else, you would automatically up-level the intimacy and the authenticity of your relationship because that's really what can happen, especially in long-term relationships, is there becomes water under the bridge. You know, there are best friends, but there are things that aren't totally shared, things we kind of keep to ourselves, and it kind of wedges in between the intimacy that can be cultivated and what Colin and I learned, especially when we started on this personal development path is the first time we really went 100, 100, right? I'm going to be fully honest with you. And that doesn't mean there's all these dirty little, but it's like everything, right? I'm just going to share. And again, to be witnessed by the other in that way, because this is really, again, when you go into that romantic partnership, if you can feel that they can love every part of you, all the light and all the dark, because it exists in all of us. And when you feel safe to really share all of that with your partner, the level of connection, it's most couples, even when they've been in relationship, my parents were in relationship for 50 years, they didn't experience this. It's another level of what you can create and just the the joy that can come out of that truly is like, it's my life purpose for everyone to be able to experience that, especially with their beloved. But if not with a beloved, with a, with a child or with a parent, because you can really apply what we teach in that course to any relationship. Mm-hmm. So Christy, I could talk about you and your adventure and your life and, and, and what you do all day long. In fact, we have. This is going to be the longest episode <laughs> ever of cool, cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Within a couple of minutes, either way, it's you and Colin are the two longest episodes. However, I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I don't ever let anyone leave the show without asking, when you look out into the world of business, in the world of, you know, what, whatever it is, entrepreneurship, however you want to define that, who do you look at and say, wow, she or he, they're doing the cool stuff? Mm-hmm. Right now, the person that comes to mind right off the bat is Layla Martin, and she is one of my mentors. I just finished her certification course, and she is also a sex love relationship coach, but she's been doing this um, for quite a while, and she's really deep dived into um, the, the practice of Tantra. And I am just fascinated with her transmission into the world, with her ability to really empower women and almost initiate them into another level of being through her certification course and also her work with men. So she has a course called Men's Sexual Mastery. And I have that course. Colin has taken that course. And 
you know, it's funny during not funny, but it's it's interesting. We talk about the collective consciousness shifting and the rise of the feminine, right? And so, it, which is a beautiful thing. And it's not just people think, oh, the rise of the feminine, and that means the female gendered. No, this is an energy that we all have within us. We are both a balance of masculine and feminine, and it's really about that rise of the feminine in all of us. And at the same time. We can sort of discount, you know, when a woman is really stepping into her power, it, the masculine counterpart can maybe start to feel a little bit intimidated by that because feminine energy is very powerful. This is one of the reasons why the patriarchy has been so successful at trying to contain it. And now this feminine energy is really starting to express itself. But I find a lot of my clients come and they are, um, especially men, they're almost like, I, 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 I'm supportive of my wife. I'm supportive of my partner and her becoming. And I don't know how to, I'm feeling a little, no one taught me how to like how do, be this way. I think it's great, but how do I deal with it? Right. And so Layla Martin is doing tremendous work and really focusing in on helping men really up level their game and their, you know, really the maturing masculine, the integrated masculine. And so I've learned a lot from her in that realm. And I just admire her transmission and her expression in the world. Anyone who wants to, yeah, I, I recommend LaylaMartin.com and she's got a great YouTube channel with all kinds of free content as well. So I love what she's doing. Awesome. Well, go, go look up Layla Martin, everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. Last question I love to hear is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think as entrepreneurs, we're fortunate. And if we're fortunate people, we have to do more than just make money. And I've heard so many great stories, big and small, of what people do to serve humanity. So Christy, what do you do? Well, of course... We do donate money um, to various different charities each year, and it's not always the same. It's what um, calls to us. This this particular year, we spent um, a lot of time and energy with um, MAPS, which is the uh, multi-association um, with uh, of psychedelic studies. So that is really deep diving into the studies of different um, plant medicines and psychedelics and how they influence uh consciousness and can shift consciousness in a very real way, in a way that um, can happen very quickly versus some of these other modalities that might take years and years and years uh, over time. So I think that's beautiful. And I think outside of, I, I do again, volunteer time, but really, I think it's our transmission. It's our own embodiment of our energetic blueprint that we're putting out into the world. If you think of yourself as sort of a water drop falling into a lake, right, or the ocean, and the ripple effect that comes from that, that's the... Rumi said, if you want to change the world, change yourself. So for me, my focus on my own personal development and the shifting of that expression out into the world and being able to see how that affects those around me directly and then how it affects those around me indirectly through those I'm influencing, I have seen not just my world shift, but I have seen the collective of our tribe and even our city, even in Austin. And that influence, when it comes back, we went to a mastermind last Saturday and through five degrees of separation, 
they were teaching two practices that I that are literally my practices that I taught at a mastermind years ago, and yet they didn't even know about it. They didn't even know that that was related to me. And it was, which I love because it's a testament of when you're really expressing and giving back, and that's part of your everyday transmission, that has a ripple effect that can change the world beyond any sort of doing, because it's really not about the doing. It's about the being. So Christy, thank you so much for being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I've been looking forward to having you on for, for several months. I'm glad we were able to pull this together. And, you know, we don't live that far apart. I hope that Sarah's and my path cross with you and Colin more often uh, because I find you guys to be a huge inspiration. And I love the way you both look at the world uh, differently and the same, but in this <laughs> yep. way of you know, two and three steps ahead. Uh, you both have been an inspiration for me. So thank you very much. If people want to know more about you, if they want to find you for the coaching that you do, if they want to find out more about the videos that you and Colin have, if they want to come to uh, to one of your retreats on the, on the catamaran, how in the world do people find Christy Woods? I think the fastest way is if you're on Instagram, I'm at Christy Woods one. So at Christy Woods one on Instagram. And if you're not on Instagram, then I would say Christy Awesome. If you go to that one website, that'll take you to all the rest. And, and I've followed you on Instagram since we met. And I got to say, you do put out a lot of positivity and uh, you just have a lot of fun. I mean, there's pictures of you and Colin and the kids and, and, and your friends. And uh, it, it's always upbeat. So follow her on Instagram. Yeah, I like to be real and then throw in every once in a while little tidbits. Um, but I like to really just show, again, that transmission of this is real life. This is this is kind of who we are and what we're about. And sometimes I'll even share the not so great things because it's really all about the human experience. I think that the more we can open up ourselves to really just share our human experience, uh, that transmission can really do a lot of healing. So that's that's kind of my goal with those that are following me on Instagram. Well, again, thank you so much. And thank you to everybody Absolutely. who tuned in. I say it every week. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Uh, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Christy Woods. And you're thinking, no, Tom, how is that possible? You'll never find a guest as cool as Christy, but we do it every single week. Uh, but in the meantime... <laughs> Put yourself out there into the world. Try new things. Make sure your ladder's against the right wall. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.